listeners, and welcome to Project Understory, a nonfiction storytelling podcast that delves into the deeper meaning of nature experiences. Does your love for the outdoors resonate in your bones? So does ours. We are storytellers, students, and teachers connected to the Central Wisconsin Environmental Station. We are meaning makers, seeking to understand the world and ourselves better through the dappled shade of a balsam fir or the haunting call of a loon across a lake. Here, you can hear our stories of adventure and contemplation, and perhaps discover your own understory. Good evening. Welcome to Project Understory. My name is Jimmy Larson. I'm a senior student at University of Wisconsin-Stevens Point. I'm majoring in environmental education and interpretation. And today I'll be interviewing for you all Heather Larson, also my mother, um, who ran a nature camp while I was in elementary school. So if you'd like, Mom, to go ahead and introduce yourself to everyone. Hi, my name is Heather Larson, and um, I'm Jimmy's mom. I uh, currently work as the president and CEO of Meet Chicago Northwest. We are a convention and visitors bureau in the northwest suburbs of Chicago. I actually studied uh, at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, where I studied liberal arts, uh, both philosophy and psychology. All right, so... This uh, podcast is a lot about environmental education and our individual journeys through that. And I thought a great topic for this podcast would be the nature camp that you ran when I was in between when I was in third grade and fifth grade, um, which was definitely a major source of inspiration for me to enter this field. And so I was wondering, you who um, you graduated with a philosophy degree from Madison How did you end up creating a nature camp? Uh, Well, I was a stay-at-home mom at the time uh, when you kids were little. And uh, there was a park district building just down the street from us that was underutilized. And it was a a very nice building. It had a little kitchenette. It had bathrooms and, and... picnic tables all around and and trees all around and a creek and it was in a neighborhood but it kind of felt a little bit secluded but nobody was ever there and I thought that it would be a nice place to get all the neighborhood kids together and do some sort of a a programming where we learned about nature over the summer months when uh, school was out of session. Right and so part of what I'm wondering is you went into this self-taught. Like right now, I'm in the practicum program at mm-hmm. Stevens Point, And so I've been learning a lot on how to do this kind of environmental education. But you, you just went into the deep end without <laughs> any formal training. And so I'm pretty curious how that worked out. Because I get nervous just even teaching mm-hmm. to the school groups that come to Suez for school. You were doing this like for real. Yeah. Well, I... I had approached the park district and and wanted to do this program and honestly most of my curriculum I borrowed from Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts and I was familiar with the Girl Scout program especially and I figured one way that I could do it would be to earn badges. So I basically looked at different age groups of different kind of badges because the program was from 
all the way, I think, from first grade to fifth grade. So it was kind of a wide spectrum. So you had different levels of Girl Scouts, different levels of Boy Scouts, but they all have nature badges, um, both programs. And so there was significant overlap with some of the, basically the curriculum that I put together based on the scouting badges. And then I, I marketed it that way by telling the neighborhood kids and the different uh, uh, scout troop leaders um, that, hey, if they come to this program uh, for two weeks, they're going to earn this badge and maybe a second badge. And and that was uh, how I put my curriculum together. And, and we wanted it to be a two-week program so that we could do little science experiments that would have time to you know, turn into something in the, uh, the, the 14 days or the, you know, it was two weeks. So five days uh, a week and into the second. Yeah. I I remember a lot of those projects. Um, I was wondering, is there any pros you think to going into this in the deep end? (laughs) Like uh, self-taught, like I was talking about, um, well, certainly nothing I studied at school prepared me for this. Um, I didn't have an education background. I didn't, other than having children, I didn't have any kind of um, teaching uh, training whatsoever. And, you know, that can be challenging. You need a lot of patience with kids and they're coming every day. And, you know, to a certain degree, you're a little bit of a daycare center, right? You're taking care of the kids while their parents are at work to a a large, this was a full day camp. Um, And so that, can be that comes with its challenges, but um, certainly I took advantage of a few of the Girl Scout trainings with different programming that they offer. But for the most part, I just kind of winged it. <laughs> I like that. So, <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> challenges you mentioned challenges mm-hmm. definitely dealing with a lot of kids and that wide range of kids. Did yeah. you find that um having that wide range of age groups in one setting, was that ever problematic? Like having first graders and fifth graders yes. doing the same projects? Yes, that that could be. And, and then just different interest levels too. So you're trying to make learning fun. And, you know, some kids are into it more than others. Sometimes their parents just signed them up because it worked into their schedule um, and they really didn't have a lot of interest. So you really had to do some you know, a little bit of crafts, a little bit of, uh, you know, we just go out and throw the ball around and play football. Some kids like that. Some kids hated that. Um, other kids wanted to be inside all the time. Other kids wanted to be outside. So you always had to just mix it up a little bit and, uh, vary the days. So there wasn't, um, too much repetition, but also each kid was getting a little something to look forward to. Right. Yeah. I remember, I think you've said this is your favorite part. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it was at least looking back. This is also one of my favorites was the um, the the times we would spend out in the out. We would go out in by the river and just sort of lay down <laughs> in silence and sort of just absorb our surroundings and listen to the sounds. And I'm wondering, like, what. What value do you think that brings mm-hmm. to kids of such a young age? Because I'm sure, I mean, I, I can remember vaguely, but I'm sure, you know, a lot of, especially elementary kids, yeah. they're going to be really antsy. Yes. And so during times like that, um, 
like why why did you do that knowing that it probably wouldn't be popular with the kids yeah, it necessarily was, it was my favorite part for self-preservation just a little bit i think i called it um I don't know if I called it quiet meditation or I called it something meditation. And the idea was to listen to nature and just to kind of relax for a minute. That was what I enjoyed about it, but also just to kind of decompress. So we all, we had these little mats or rugs that we had, I bought at the dollar store or something. And um, you'd find a little piece of grass by yourself. You weren't supposed to be talking or chit-chatting, which was always hard to get the, especially I think the girls to, to be quiet, but the, uh, the boys also had no idea why we were doing what we were doing. So to try and get them to listen to the birds and the wind in the trees and to hear while we're really, we were just in a neighborhood. We were in the middle of a city, in the middle of suburban Chicago to get them to listen. And yes, you could hear the airplanes go by. We live right by O'Hare Airport. But um, but you could also hear the birds and you heard different kinds of birds and you heard the wind making different kinds of sound. And so to kind of bring nature into the neighborhood that way, I think... Um, I did reward them because we would kind of quiz afterwards and say, you know, what did you hear? And sometimes it was a lawnmower and sometimes it was an airplane, but um, you'd ask them what they heard. And we had these little, uh, what were those little pom-pom? Yeah. Uh, What were they? They were uh, like the... Kudo. Cootie monsters or something like that? Yeah, Yeah. It was supposed to be, basically, we... You, the kids would get these little prizes if they answered the questions. <laughs> so I did bribe them a little bit. But then they really liked those. And in fact, five to ten, gosh, it's been a long time. I actually had a parent say to me that I ran into at the grocery store that her daughter still had, I think, kudu pets? Kudus. It was something, something. like that. Yeah. yeah. These little pom pom doll thingies um and she still had hers in her bedroom yeah so i thought that was fantastic i loved it yeah and they were just little puff balls with googly eyes yep. glued on but they really did work because <laughs> i remember at that age i was and, and all my friends were like very interested in collecting as many of those as we could <laughs> which i mean that's, it got people to behave it's a pretty good reward <laughs> mechanism especially when it's it's just fuzzballs pretty much <laughs> yeah i think i just bought them at oriental trading or you know they cost me nothing basically yeah and so you you had mentioned this is probably something i should have brought up earlier but we were in des Plaines, illinois which is a northwest suburb of chicago very urbanized um we have the Cook County Forest Preserves, which is very mm-hmm. extensive, but outside of that, you know, it's a concrete jungle out here. And so, you know, bringing those kids out mm-hmm. and letting mm-hmm. them really soak in the nature. I think even for the kids that might have been pretty antsy during that, mm-hmm. it like had some kind of long term effect on their I subconscious. Hope so. At least especially for me it did. Yeah. Um but yeah, do you want to talk any more about that value of bringing kids from a, a right. an urban area into the environment like that? I think nature is really intimidating for a lot of kids who grow up in the city of Chicago or even in the near north in the near suburbs where we are. Um, you know, maybe their parents aren't into it, you know, so they don't think to go out into the woods even to our our forest preserve, Cook County Forest Preserve, which is the largest uh, forest preserve um, in the country, I think, right? Yeah, it's the largest county forest preserve in the country. So, um, 
being able to do this in the neighborhood, in their neighborhood, close by, without having to travel very far. Now, you and your sister were able to go to resident camp up in Wisconsin, up in Michigan, and um, and a lot of kids don't have that opportunity. So this was something, it was affordable. It was through the park district. It was very affordable for families to sign up for, and they get a little taste of it, and they did learn a little bit of plant biology and animal biology as much as I could teach in a in a 10-day program uh, for a varying age group of kids. Yeah. So um, as we're wrapping up the podcast here, I'd just like to know, what is the big takeaway you have from this experience <laughs> for teaching this over the course of like three summers? Um, obviously, your career path has changed pretty significantly from mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. but... I'm just wondering, right. uh, what did you take away from that? Well, I am in the tourism industry, but for us uh, here in the suburbs, tourism looks a little different. It's meetings and conventions. It's it's more urban. Um, but what I hope that the kids took out of it and what I hope you and your sister, because you got to attend for free, uh, <laughs> were able to take out of it was definitely an appreciation for nature that's all around us. Um, with climate change and everything that we read about, it's hard to really grasp what it means um, in your day-to-day life. And that was something that I hope was a takeaway for the kids. I think it was for you and your sister. And um, that is very satisfying for me. And that makes me feel uh, happy. It gave me something to do, but it it also was enriching. And um, I was proud to to put it together and be a part of it. Yeah. And I, I'm a little biased because she is my mother (laughs) and I got to go there for free and everything, but it definitely had a lasting impact on me along with you would always take me out to the forest preserves Mm -hmm. around here. And Mm -hmm. that at least for me definitely has put me on the path where I'm at right now, recording this podcast for project understory. (laughs) (laughs) So we've kind of come full circle here. It's really funny, but um, I just like to thank you for doing all that for me in my past, and, and yeah, and thank you for uh, coming on and being a guest on the podcast today. Well, thank you for having me. It's been fun. Yeah, thank you. This has been a production of Project Understory. A special thanks to Create Portage County in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. Check them out at createportagecounty.org for their many resources available to local artists and creatives. We hope we entertained and inspired you today to encounter nature in new and meaningful ways.